Hello, hello, hello guys, and welcome back to the July episode of the Love on a Roll podcast, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Disability Pride Month and the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act that is coming up on July 26th, which as of the recording of this episode will be next week and um i hope you guys enjoy this and find this informative and educational um before we get started though a little bit of housekeeping thank you guys so much for all your love and support i really appreciate it It means the world to me um we got a new sponsor so check that out on the um, podcast listing, if you will. Um, Patsy's Hemp Company, great company. Um, Really helpful for relaxation and anxiety and sleep and managing uh, your disabilities. So I would highly recommend that. And also check out my store. The link is always going to be in the show notes and we have a bunch of different products available we just launched a new shirt which is really cool i talked about that on the last episode for june so you can go listen to that and um we have a bunch of different products so not just shirts we got hoodies we got coffee mugs we got tote bags we got a lot of stuff So check that out and support if you can. I would really appreciate it. Um, And that's really it. Um, And I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. And uh, yeah, let's get started. So. I want to get started by reading a quote from former President Obama in the United States. Um, He says, uh, disability rights aren't just civil civil rights to be enforced here at home. They're universal rights to be recognized and promoted around the world. Again, Disability rights aren't just civil rights to be enforced here at home. They're universal rights to be recognized and promoted around the world. And we'll talk about that too today on the podcast. That there are that there is an effort to recognize disability rights around the world. So to get started here. Um, Disability Pride Month is, according to Amera Disability, they describe disability pride as accepting and honoring each person's uniqueness and seeing it as a natural and beautiful part of of human diversity and connects it to the larger movement of for disability justice. So, the Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA for short, was passed on July 26, 
1990. The goal of the ADA is to prohibit discrimination against people with disabilities. Following this legislation, Boston held the first Disability Pride Month event, Pride Day event, in July of 1990, and since then, Disability Pride events have been celebrated in the month of July in cities, including Los Angeles, New York City, San Antonio, Madison, Wisconsin, Brigaton, UK, Charleston, South Carolina, and the list of participating cities continue to grow. Now, let's talk about some history here. So the history of the ADA did not begin on July 26, 1990, at the signing ceremony at the White House. It, be, it did not begin in 1988, when the first ADA was introduced in Congress. The ADA story begins a long, began a long time ago in cities and towns throughout the United States, when people with disabilities began to challenge societal bar- barriers that excluded them from their communities. And when parents of children, and when, when parents with children with disabilities began to fight against the exclusion and segregation of their children. It began with, with the establishment of local groups to advocate for the rights of people with disabilities. And it began with the establishment of the independent living movement, which challenged the notion that people with disabilities needed to be institutionalized, and which fought for and uh, provided services for people with disabilities to live in the community. The ADA owes its birthright not to any one person or any few, but too many, but to the many thousands of people who make up the disability rights movement. These are, excuse me, people who have worked for years, organizing and attending protests, licking envelopes, sending out alerts, drafting legislation, speaking, testifying, negotiating, lobbying, filing lawsuits, being arrested, doing whatever they could for a cause they believed in. There are far too many people whose commitment and hard work contributed to the passage of this historic piece of disability civil rights legislation to be able to give appropriate credit by name. Without the work of so many, without the disability rights movement, there would be no ADA. The disability rights movement over the next couple of decades has made the injustices faced by people with disabilities visible to the American public and politicians. This required reversing the centuries-long history of of out-of-sight, out-of-mind that the segregation of disabled people served to promote. The disability rights movement adopted many of the strategies of the civil rights movement before it, like the African-Americans who sat in at segregated lunch counters and refused to move to the back of the bus. People with disabilities also sat in federal buildings 
they obstructed the movement of the inaccessible buses and marched to the streets to protest injustice. And like the civil rights movement before it, the disability rights movement sought, injust sought justice in the courts and in the halls of Congress. From a legal perspective, a profound and a sword shift in disability public policy occurred in 1973 with the passage of Section 504 of the 1973 Re Rehabilitation Act of Section, Section 504, which banned discrimination on the basis of disability by recipients of federal funds, was modeled after previous laws which banned race, ethnic orientation, sex-based discrimination by federal funds by federal fund recipients. For the first time, the exclusion and segregation of people with disabilities was was viewed as discrimination. Previously, it had been assumed that the problems faced by people with disabilities, such as unemployment and lack of education, were inevitable consequences of the physical or mental limitations imposed by the dis by the disability itself. But enactment of Section 504 evident in Congress's recognition that the inferior social and economic status of people with disabilities was not a consequence of the disability itself, but instead was a result of societal, societal barriers and prejudices, prejudices, as with racial minorities and women. Congress recognized that legislation was necessary to eradicate discriminatory policies and practices. Section 504 was also historic because for the first time people with disabilities were viewed as a class, a minority group, and previously public policy had been characterized by addressing the needs of particular disabilities by category and based on diagnosis. Each disability group was seen as separate with differing needs. But Section 504 recognized that while there are ma major physical and mental variations in different disabilities, people with disabilities as a group faced similar discrimination in employment, education, and access to society. People with disabilities were seen as a legitimate minority subject to discrimination and deserving of basic civil rights civil rights protections. This class status, class status concept has been critical in the development of the movement and advocacy efforts. The coalition of people with disabilities has constantly been put to the test by attempts to remove protections for particular groups. The history of the ADA is a testament to the movement's commitment to solidarity among people with different disabilities. After Section 504 established the fundamental civil right of non-discrimination in 1973, the next step was to define what non-discrimination meant in the context of disability, how it was the same or different from race and sex, and sex discrimination. The Department of Health, Education, and Welfare have been given the task of 
promulgating regulations to implement Section 504, which would serve as guidance for all other federal agencies. In other words, uh, they were in charge of developing these regulations. Now, this would serve as guidelines for all the other federal agencies, and these regulations became the focus for the Disability Rights Movement for the next four years. During this time, the movement grew in sophistication, skill, and visibility. The first task was to ensure that the regulations provided meaningful anti-discrimination protections. It was not enough to remove disability barriers. It was imperative that the regulations mandated affirmative conduct to remove architectural and communication barriers and provide accommodations. The second step was to force a reluctant agency to get the regulations out. All over the country, people with disabilities sat in at HEW buildings. The longest sitting was in San Francisco. Cisco lasting 28 days. A lawsuit was filed. Hearings before Congress were organized and testimony was delivered to congressional committees. Negotiations were had. Letters were written. The disability community mobilized a successful campaign using a variety of strategies. And on May 4th, 1977, the Section 504 regulations were issued. It is these regulations which form the basis of the ADA. In the early 1980s, the disability community was called upon to defend the hard-fought for Section 504 regulations from attack. After taking office, President Reagan established the Task Force on Regulatory Relief under the leadership of then-Vice President George Bush. The mission of the task force was to deregulate regulations which were burdensome on businesses. The Section 504 regulations were chosen for deregulation. This news set a current, sent a current throughout the disability community, throughout the disability movement, across the country which quickly mobilized a multi-tier strategy to preserve the regulation. For two years, representatives from the disability community met with administration officials to explain why all these why all of the various deregulation proposals must not be adopted. These high-level meetings would not have continued or been successful without the constant bombardment of letters to the White House from people with disabilities and parents of children with disabilities around the country protesting any attempt to deregulate Section 504. After a remarkable show of force and commitment by the disability community, the administration announced a halt to all attempts to deregulate Section 504. This was a tremendous victory for the disability movement. These two years proved to be invaluable in setting the stage for the ADA. Not only were the Section 504 regulations 
which formed the basis of, of the ADA preserved. But at this time, that high officials of what later became the Bush administration received an education on the importance of the concepts of non-discrimination contained in Section 504 regulations in the lives of people with disabilities. Now, during much of the 1980s, the disability community efforts in Washington were focused on reinstating civil protections, which have been stripped away by negative Supreme Court decisions. The longest legislative battle was fought over the Civil Rights Restoration Act, CRRA, first introduced in 1984 and finally passed in 1988. The CRRA sought to overturn Grove City College v. Bell, a Supreme Court decision that had significantly restricted the reach of all the statutes prohibiting race, ethnic orientation, sex or disability discrimination by recipients of the of federal funds. Because the court decision affected all of these constituents constituencies, the effort to overturn the decision required a coalition effort. For the first time, representatives of the disability community worked in leadership's role with representatives of minority and women's groups on a major piece of civil rights legislation. And again, working in coalition, in 1988, the civil rights community amended the Fair Housing Act, FHA, to improve enforcement mechanisms and, for the first time, disability anti-discrimination provisions were included in a traditional civil rights statute banning race discrimination. During these years, working on the CRRA and the FHA, alliances were forged within the civil rights community that had been critical in the fight for the passage of the ADA. Because of its commitment to disability civil rights, the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights played an important role in securing the passage of the ADA. During the 1980s, it became clear to the disability community that it should play a very active role in Supreme Court litigation under Section 504. The first Section 504 case, which was decided by the Supreme Court in 1979, Southern Community College v. Davis, U.S. 397, revealed at best a lack of understanding and at worst a hostility to even applying the concept of discrimination to exclusion. Now, based on disability. In that case, a hearing-impaired woman was seeking administration to the hearing to the, to the nursing program of Southeastern Community College. The court found that Ms. Davis's hearing impairment rendered her unqualified to participate in the program because she would not be able to fully access all of the clinical requirements. However, the court did not limit itself to the fate of Ms. Davis, 
but included within the decision several very broad negative interpretations of Section 504. The fact that Davis' decision cast doubt on whether these entities were covered by Section 504 would be required to take any affirmative steps to accommodate the needs of persons with disabilities. Contrary to the Department of Health, Education and Welfare, or HEW, were given total difference by the court. Ironically, the court attributed the lack of difference to the fact that the HEW had been reluctant in, in issuing the regu regulations. Now, after the Davis's decision, it was clear that the Supreme Court needed to be educated on the, dis on the issue of disability discrimination and the role that it played in people's lives. That it plays in people's lives. Moreover, it was clear that the disability community, to the disability community, that the focus of its efforts and any future Supreme Court legislation must be to reinforce the validity of the 1977 HEW regulations. In the next case to be granted review by the Supreme Court, um, uh, considered consolidated efforts on educating the court and bolstering the validity of the HEW regulations. Interpreting Section 504, the issue was whether um, this one case and consolidated rail corporation was whether employment discrimination was covered by the anti-discrimination provisions of Section 504. Now, in order to educate the court on the pervasive role of discrimination in the unemployment and underemployment of people with disabilities, the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund filed an amicus brief on behalf of 63 nationals, state and local organizations dedicated to securing the civil rights of persons with disabilities. This amicus brief served not only to educate the court on discriminatory issues, um, discriminatory employment, um, policies and practices, but also to demonstrate to the court that these issues concern the millions of Americans who were affiliated with the organizations who filed the brief. Now, um, the decision in Consolidated Rail Corporation v. Darren marked a significant victory for the disability rights community. The court found that employment discrimination was in fact provided by prohibited by Section 504, but equally importantly, the court found that these regulations issued in 1977 by HEW were entitled to great defense for the court. It is these regulations which were evaluated by the, the court in Consolidated Rail Corporation, which formed the basis of the ADA. And this continued, um, the disability community continued its, its active involvement in Section 504 cases 
in the Supreme Court throughout the 1980s. Um, it gives another couple examples. Um, one of the courts, uh, school board of Nassau County via airline became the foundation for coverage of people with AIDS under Section 504 in the ADA. Working on the airline case also provided a critical opportunity for lawyers in the disability rights community and lawyers in the AIDS community to work closely together and form alliances that would carry through and prove to be critical in the battle to secure um, passage of the ADA. And they were successful during the 1980s in overturning the um, by legislation several disability specific negative Supreme Court rulings. The ADA, as we know it today, went through numerous drafts, revisions, negotiations, and amendments. Since the first version was introduced in 1988, prepared by the National Council on Disability, an independent um, federal agency whose members were appointed by President Reagan, the disability community began to educate people with disabilities about the ADA to gather evidence to support the need for broad anti-discrimination protections. A national campaign was, was initiated to write discrimination diaries. Uh, people with disabilities were asked to dominate, document daily instances of inaccessibility and discrimination. The diaries not only served as testimonials of discrimination, but also to raise um, consequences about the barriers to daily living were simply tolerated as part of life. Justin Dart, chair of the Geek Congressional Task Force on, on the Rights and Empowerment of People with Disabilities traveled the country, holding public hearings which were already attended by thousands of people with disabilities, friends, and families, documenting the injustice of discrim discrimination in the lives of people with disabilities. Um, they had a joint hearing in September 19, 1988. Um, the Senate Subcommittee on Disability Policy and the House Subcommittee on Select Education. I'm not sure what happened to that, the um, Senate Subcommittee on Disability Policy, but they need to bring that back. Um, on May 9th, 1989, they introduced the new ADA into the 101st Congress. Um, they mobilized again the disability community. A team of lawyers worked hard on the legal issues. Um, again, the job was to demonstrate to Congress and to the American people the need for uh, comprehensive civil rights protections to ensure fundamental injustices to demonstrate not only how these injustices harms the individual subjected to it, but also how it harms our society. Um, 
witnesses spoke of their uh, discrimination and eventually it was signed by um, into law on the White House lawn um, on July 6, 1990 by President H.W. Bush. The ADA is one of America's comprehensive policies and civil rights legislation uh, that prohibits discrimination and guarantees that people with disabilities have the same opportunities as everyone else to participate in mainstream American life, to enjoy employment opportunities, to purchase goods and services, and to participate in state and local government programs and services. Modeled after the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, the ADA is an equal opportunity law for people with disabilities. To be protected by the ADA, one must have a disability which is defined by the ADA as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. A person who has a history or record of such impairment, or a person who is perceived by others as having such impairment. The ADA does not specifically name all of the impairments that are covered. Now, Bush, President H.W. Bush, was a critical player um, to getting this passed. Bush sent numerous messages in favor of the ADA during his presidential campaign and delivered a speech at the inaugural ball, sending the message that he supported a civil rights bill for people with disabilities. Senator Bob Dole, who just passed away not too long ago, a Republican who represented Kansas, was also key in ensuring that Republicans negotiated and passed the bill. But the ADA would not have been possible without the disability rights movement that began in earnest in the early 1970s. Now, the ADA was amended in 2008. It has not been amended since then. The ADA Amendments of Act of 2008, or ADA, restored the broad definition of disability originally envisioned by the law's drafters. The ADA put the law's focus back on reasonable accommodations with the heart and soul of the ADA. In addition, stigma against people with disabilities has decreased in recent years, while we still have a long way to go for full and equal access, which has made significant progress. The impact. The greatest impact initially was on public access, including transportation. In addition, all new buildings had to be accessible, including having compliant wheelchair ramps and renovations for older buildings were required to meet accessibility men. Uh, mandates and this opened up new opportunities for people with disabilities. Employment experience would have been much different without the passage of the ADA. Another game changer introduced by the ADA was a methodology for identifying what constitutes a reasonable accommodation people with disabilities now have a large say in what it, an accommodation will be, thanks to the requirement 
that employers discuss possibilities with them. The ADA opened up doors for many, in addition to making discipline protected class and giving the community legal recourse. The act bans questions related to disability on job applications, uh, provides for greater accessibility to public buildings and transportation and requires employers to reasonably accommodate employees and job applicants. The ADA also makes requiring medical examinations before a job offer unlawful and limits disability-related questions and medical examinations of employees. I personally would not be where I am today without and the same with other people uh, who have disabilities. Um, everything in my life, both personally, socially, academically, um, professionally, would just not have been possible without the ADA. I, I and millions of other people with disabilities would not be where we are today without the ADA. We would not be living in the community, we would be institutionalized. We, this is our, as Judy Human said, who is who was a civil rights activist for the disability community. She has a disability herself. She gave an amazing TED talk. Um, I would check that out. Just look her up um, on Google. Um, I will, I will, I will, I will attach the link in the show notes um, to that TED talk, so you guys can see it. It's amazing. Um, but as she said, the ADA was our Emancipation Proclamation, and is our Emancipation Proclamation, and. more work left to do. Um, For example, while we we have seen dramatic improvements, it is still challenging to get from point A to point B using public transportation and unemployment remains high as often employees with disabilities are the last hired and the first fired during changes in business conditions. Entrepreneurship and gig work Freelance working and consulting can be a lifesaver to people with disabilities. Even though there are downsides, it can create multiple streams of income. And also the online, uh, the fact that you can work from online, the, the fact that there are so many opportunities online uh, to work and uh, for side hustles and stuff, that is a game changer, man. A game changer. Um, people with disabilities are still twice as likely to be unemployed as those without disabilities. To close that gap, we all need to work together and to make every workplace an inclusive workplace. Businesses and universities are trying to use loopholes in order to save money and not be fully accessible. That needs to change. 
the government needs to hold businesses and universities accountable for, especially any place that is receiving federal funding needs to be held accountable needs to be held accountable i want to make sure of it i want to make sure it is 32 years that the ada has been in existence and i want to make damn sure that every place that receives federal funding is held accountable and especially i know businesses are private but i i want to make sure that they're held accountable because it it needs to happen um in addition to that housing needs to be accessible housing in the community is an issue and you have to get creative in order to live and work in the community like everyone else airplanes are still not fully accessible and they need to catch up soon there is no reason why airplanes cannot be like buses trains subways i mean come on come on what is what is what, what I, i don't know what the reason for that is but 32 years this needs to happen and the government needs to lead the effort in addition to that the ada needs to be modified more often the fact that it has not been modified since 2008 is insane and that needs to change ideally it should be modified every year but i would settle for every two years but every year there's no reason why that can't happen and this is a bipartisan issue or should be a bipartisan issue it wasn't an, it, it it was before and it should still be now now remember i talked about the that we're going to talk about the impact of disability rights around the world well the convention on the rights of persons with disabilities and its optional protocol was adopted on the 13th of December 2006 at the United Nations headquarters in New York and was opened for signature on the 30th of March 2007 there were 82 signatures to the convention and 44 signatures um and one ratification of the convention this is the highest number of signatures in history to a UN convention on its opening day it is the first comprehensive human rights treaty of the 21st century and the first human rights convention to be open for signature by regional integration organizations the convention entered into force on the 3rd of march 2008 the convention follows decades of work by the united nations to change attitudes and approaches to persons with disabilities 
it takes to a new height the movement from the viewing from viewing persons with disabilities as objects of charity, medical treatment, and social protection, towards viewing persons with disabilities as subjects with rights who are capable of claiming those rights and making decisions for their lives based on their free and informed consent as well as being active members of society. The convention is attended as a human rights instrument with an exploit social development dimension. Okay, long story short, the convention was negotiated. Okay, let's let's skip down here. This extraordinary treaty calls on all nations to guarantee rights like those afforded under the ADA and urges equal protection and equal benefits under before the law of, for all citizens reaffirms reaffirms the inherent dignity and worth and independence of all persons with disabilities worldwide. In December 2012, a vote was taken um, by the Senate. 61 to 38, it fell five votes short of the two-thirds majority required to adopt an international treaty. In, 2000, in July 2014, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee advanced the treaty to the six, but the full Senate never voted on it. It's a good reminder that the United States has more to do because, despite Obama's signature, more than a decade ago, the treaty ratified by 182 Country still awaits U.S. Senate ratification. In December 2012, a Senate vote 61 to 38 fell five votes short of the two vote. Okay, I think I already read that. Right. I don't know why that's choice in my notes. Um, we must make our position in the United States on disability, the United States must make its position on disability rights clear, and ratifying this represents an opportunity to take bipartisan action and unite with the rest of the world in advancing civil and human rights of people with disabilities everywhere. And it's an opportunity to continue our nation's tradition of advancing important human rights as we did before with the Rehab Act. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, the ADA, and the ADA Amendments of 2008. Disability rights are civil and human rights. Now more than a decade after the United States signed the treaty, it is time to finally make a, a global commitment to protecting disability rights by ratifying it. And of course, like I said, the ADA should be amended once a year and disability policies should be a mainstream issue as it is with other minority groups. We are the largest minority group and extremely diverse. You can join this group at any time, regardless of race, your gender, your nationality, and your sexual orientation and financial status. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast I hope you learned a lot you can email me at loveonaroll at gmail.com again that's loveonaroll at gmail.com I will include that in the 
well, yeah, I, I won't include that in the show notes as well. And until next time, love will save the world. Peace out, and I will see you guys next month. Take care, everybody.